You're listening to The Whole Testament, a podcast putting the Old and New Testaments back together. The holidays are here, and this week we talk about the Feast of Trumpets. These are going to be a little out of order, but you'll get your fill on this particular meal. Jim, Dave, and a special guest to The Whole Testament, Elias, take us through this interesting feast. If you have questions and want to continue the conversation, send us an email at thewholetestament at gmail.com or leave us a comment. We also depend on listeners like you to keep the conversation going, so take a moment and consider what it would look like to partner with us by visiting thewholetestament.com and clicking on the Donate tab. All right. Camera one. Uh, we got to get Elias doing it. Yeah, yeah, do it. We'll call that camera one. Okay, great. Go ahead. Camera one. And you got camera two. <laughs> camera two. <laughs> there you go. Camera one, camera two. Camera one, camera two. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, it's so ridiculous. I think I say that every time we say it. Uh, it is ridiculous. Well, welcome to the whole testament. We are here with Dave and Jim. You got to say something. People are listening to you. Good afternoon. And our friend Elias. Hello. First timer. So, mm-hmm. Elias, why don't you tell us a little bit? I'm turning the wrong way. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I mean, I guess, like, you know, uh, nothing too interesting. I married a woman who brought me into Messianic Judaism a couple of years into our marriage. I was born and raised like a Presbyterian Christian and. Uh-huh. Um, it's been a really wonderful, like, uh, learning experience and, um, just like trying to get ahead of my wife and lead our family has been a pleasure because uh-huh. she's smart and she's studied, you know, it's easy when you've been raised in it. So, yeah. um, it's been, it's been a fun little race that way, but, uh, um, yeah, I'm in the military and live here in Virginia trying to start a farm and you know, right. just pursue the Torah. So, all right, nice. And you've. Have you ever listened to the whole testament? Oh yeah, oh yeah, lots of times. I, I, not even as a joke or anything. I go back and listen to the paralytic like maybe once or twice a week. It's it's such a good one. Like that series just really brings me to tears. It's so good. It was good. We should have stopped after that one. That was the first one. We should have just quit. Just hit your high just right hit there. It, hit it on repeat. Yeah. yeah. Should have start, should never start out with the best you got. Yeah. yeah. It's a really meaningful, super meaningful track for me. Yeah. I All like right. it a lot. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. So we are here. We're going to talk about the Feast of Trumpets. Or what? Give us all the other names. Yom Teruah, which means the day of the sounding or day of the blowing. What's the other? Yom Hazikaron, day of remembrance. Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Rosh Hashanah, uh, which means in Hebrew, in the English, it means head of the year. Head so of the year. Lots of names for this one. Yeah, so if you hear any of those, it's all the same holiday. It's all the same holiday found in Leviticus chapter 23, and it's uh, in the seventh month, uh, which begins a whole series of holidays. You guys want to speak to that? Like, why don't we, why don't we start off? So we're just going to start with like, here is um, an overview of what the holiday is, and then what, how it's, how it plays out in 
modern day history. Does that sound good? So I'll just open it up and I'll read to you from Leviticus 23, um, the holiday. Leviticus 23, 23. All right. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel saying, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a memorial proclaimed with blasts of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, and you shall present a food offering to the Lord. So basically what we're told is blow a trumpet. We traditionally say shofar, which is what this is gems, shofar. Um, and you blow it, and it sounds like a trumpet. Mm-hmm. Are you going to blow it? I don't know what it'll do on the audio. Do you need to get up and stand behind it? Push here, your mic away. Here you go, Fred. It. How about this? <laughs> do you like the ending? I, like, I could hear it. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we'll have some kids blow it, see how good they do. Um, That'll be fun. Yep. So that's really all it says blow a trumpet. It's a memorial proclaimed, but it doesn't say what you're memorializing, mm. which is interesting to me. And we may talk about that a little bit later. And don't do any ordinary work. So it is a one of the Shabbats, Sabbath holidays, and then offer a food offering to the Lord, which would be done during the days of the temple and tabernacle. But then there's a whole lot of tradition that goes with that, which makes it fun to bring your family in. That's one of the things that I love about the holidays is how family-focused it is mm -hmm. and how it allows you to use everyday, ordinary things to teach your children biblical truths. And so you guys want to speak to some of those holidays? Traditions? What are your guys' traditions? Well, I mean, so this one, it's in the seventh month, which we'll probably talk about a little bit more, um, but is recognizing the start of something. So it's not the start of the calendar year, uh, but it's, it's the new year spiritually, the head of the year when we say that, Rosh Hashanah, the name. So it's the spiritual new year starting in the seventh calendar month. And the beginning of the calendar year is in is when... The first month is when Passover is. You're right, yep, okay. in the springtime. Um, and so one of the things is, is about a sweet new year. Like one of the traditions is recognizing you want to have a sweet year as this starts off. Uh, and so we do probably, I guess you all do too, apples and honey. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, so uh, there's a big festive meal. We have a big festive meal and, and get dressed up and just real fancy and good food, but always there's... Bowls of honey on the table and slices of apples. That's and the challah is different. We make our our traditional. Oh yeah, some some honey challah. Yeah, yeah it's and delicious. it's round. We use, we sometimes make ours round with raisins in it. Yep. I think we normally do our sweet meal after tashlik as well. Mm. So like it, tashlik is. Um, I guess I don't know what the English translation of that is. Casting away, I Casting think. Casting away, okay. Casting. Well, which makes sense because we go to a river, flowing river, and you take stones um, and you go through. And uh, what we do is we read and go through and it talks about like what you would consider every categorized sin that you can commit and that you basically atone for the community. You throw the stone in, 
you read about like how, oh, you know, we've sinned by betraying our friends and you throw the stone in and it's like getting rid of that. Uh, like you're not actually, you know, like doing anything at all symbolic, but you're like throwing away the weight of uh, committing those sins and, and trying to commit to not doing it the next year. Um, and so when once you're done with Tashlik, you feel kind of like, like you've gotten rid of all this weight. Yeah. You're like ready to move on and like pursue um, Yetzer Hatov, which is like the good inclination. You're ready to do the right thing. And then we go home and we eat all the sweets, mm. which feels great. Yeah, that connects to like the, he casts them into the sea of forgetfulness or something, mm. right? That yeah. the sins are no more, they're gone. They're supposed to be where you can't like see it and jump in and get the rock yeah, yeah, back yeah, out. Yeah, you want a river that's good <laughs> good for throwing stones. We use bread, we throw, everybody gets a slice of bread and they uh, take it and the, it's more personal, you know, just kind of like, hey, so you got to contemplate on what seems to be the same. You know, I don't know, I feel like we throw the same bread yeah, in every year. Man, I got that rock a lot again. Of bread. Yeah, I know. That's a ton of bread. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just like, you know, throw it in and you watch it float away or the ducks eat it or I used to have a black lab who would jump in and eat all our sins for us. <laughs> which mm, is nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, so our kids really like, they always look forward to that. Yeah. Awesome. It's a really like, I mean, I think in general, a lot of these traditions are very like tangible for kids. Mm-hmm. Like our kids are... Even our uh, our youngest at the time, Elijah, he would have been like one, and uh, he's throwing stones. Like they they really uh-huh. get into it. Uh-huh. Um, they may understand more spiritually later what it means, but like it's a very physical like activity for yeah. sure to like do it. Um, and it even makes sense for them like with Yetzer Hara, like they will Which recall yeah, oh, the evil inclination. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, as you know, a juxtaposition to Yetzer Hatov. Which is. The good inclination. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> and so, like, you know, they, uh, even our, our children, our young children, like my daughter's not, not yet five, um, she'll recall that, like, months later into the year and just be like, yeah, I, I got rid of my Yetzer Hurrah, like, I threw my stone in the river. And it's so, like, you know, it's uh-huh. a very, like, tangible experience. Yeah, we would uh, have them pick rocks, mm-hmm. like intentionally, okay, we're gonna, you need to collect your rocks up. And as you're collecting your rock, you're thinking, mm-hmm. oh, when I was disobeyed mom and dad or when I whatever. And then when we get to the water, we remind them because like what little boy doesn't like to throw rocks into the water? It's like, all right, and you're not just throwing rocks in the water. We want you to hold the rock, think about the rock and like say to God, like I'm casting this away. I want this to be done. I want this, I'm renewing myself as I go into this year. I would like really to think about it before they throw it. And it's fun to see little kids standing down a little bit on the creek bed yeah. or at the lake or whatever yeah, and yeah. holding that rock, not throwing it in yet because little boys would just pick it up, throw, pick it, throw, pick it, throw, pick it, throw. But just holding that rock for a minute and then chucking it in with a big grin. Mm. It's awesome. Yeah. And so uh, just in case people are not quite sure that the purpose of this is because the seventh month has like a rhythm to it of yeah. of repentance. repentance. Because so, why don't you maybe one of you guys speak to that? And like leading up to this in the seventh month, the the significance of it being the seventh month, seven carries weight. Like it, it is this, it is the seventh month. It's the end of these feasts. It it runs into Sukkot, which is why like does seven carry weight? Uh, seven carries weight because it. Typically, 
um, communicates completeness, wholeness, finished, done. Seven days of creation, done. Seven sets of seven, getting to Shavuot. It's like this completeness. The seven years mm -hmm. leading up to Jubilee, uh, or seven, yeah, seven years. To Shemitah. To Shemitah. Seven years to Shemitah, seven, seven sets of sevens. seven years to, to get Jubilee. to the Jubilee, to get to the 50th year. So like seven always has this wholeness, this completeness, um, which is why there's five loaves and two fish. Uh, seven, uh, this is enough for me to do the miracle of. But so seventh month has this significance of coming into the completeness, the fullness of the picture of the holidays, in my opinion, the, the days God set aside it's coming to completeness. The picture will be full in this Yeah, moment. which kind of speaks to the fact that the three, which we've alluded to in previous episodes about the holidays, the, the three spring feasts have been completed. Yeah. And the three, like through Yeshua, through yes. Jesus. And then the three fall feasts are yet to be fulfilled or like, the four and the four. Yeah, there's still the shadow, like Paul says, the shadow of things that are to come. It's mm. still to come. The it's shadow is still to come. The shadow is still to come. And the, yeah, and I, I think it'll be good as you go through the rest of these feasts, like Yom Kippur and Sukkot, that what are we looking forward to? Mm -hmm. The doing Passover is looking back to what Yeshua, what Jesus did uh, with, with uh, forgiveness of our sins and being that lamb looking forward to is this return. And so running into Rosh Hashanah or to Yom Teruah or to Yom Hazikron <laughs> uh, into this feast, there's 30 days in, in advance of this specifically, the Rosh Hashanah, the Yom Teruah, the day of the blowing, where you begin, it's the month of Elul because this one starts on the first day of the seventh month. So the 30 days prior to this is about repentance a very focused repentance, um, but it's leading up into this feast, 30 days uh, into when the, tr when the shofar is blown. And then there's the intermediate days, which Elias will talk about in just a second. Which, there are 10 days. I'm, trying, I'm taking a long time to get to this point of, uh, there's a 40 day period. Uh, there's 10 days and 30 days. And so leading up to this, day of the blowing, there's a 30-day period of repentance to get to this holiday we're talking about where the shofar is blown, where we have the rocks and we're thinking about repentance and saying, I want to get rid of this thing, even if I threw that same rock last year. Uh, it's all about this repentance. And then there's 10 additional days. Yeah. The, um, so Rosh Hashanah happens and then you go into the 10 days of awe which are, uh, I guess, significant to me. I, I think that there's some significance there for our family just because um, in the 10 days of awe, it's a very like specific, um, you've just done Tashlik, but now it's a very specific time of repentance where like you're, you're reflecting on your year and what would I do um, just because it's, it's kind of been passed on to me this way is that I, I try to recall like very specific instances of sin, mm. like where I've I've like wronged someone or where I've lied or like the very specific moments that I've done that and like reflect on those moments and and ask for repentance specifically, where like I'm I'm really trying to localize it to this like level of intent, uh you know like those ten days you have that time 
So um, why is it? What's that? What happens at the end of the ten days? Yeah. So at the end of the ten days, you have Yom Kippur, and that's um, the con- day of atonement. The day of atonement. It's considered uh, like the holiest day of the year, um, and it's significant because you have the the Book of Life, um, which. I think there's some ambiguity to it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Book of Life. But um, when I you know, grew up in Christianity, it's not something that really had been talked about very often, which I think is really fascinating. Because like, as far as we know, like being sealed in the Book of Life is pretty significant for like salvation, for like you know, the world to come and like being secure in that feeling of salvation. I would have thought it would have been brought up more. And we know like that it should be kind of brought up in in Christianity just because it's talked about in Revelations. You know, like mm-hmm. that's a very important part of the the piece of you know the days of tribulation and reading the names from the Book of Life. And um, so after these ten days, Yom Kippur, it's significant because those who are righteous, their names are sealed for that year. They're sealed in the Book of Life. And so like you, your goal. Um, like the intent of your repentance is like your desire is to be sealed in the book of life. Mm-hmm. You want to have had a righteous year. You want Hashem to look at you and, and see that righteousness and see that your your intent was to be, you know, righteous for that. Yeah. So to break this down to more Christianese for people that yeah. may not have, you know, understood all this, there the the scripture says, blow the trumpet as a remembrance, and that's it. And then 10 days later is the Day of Atonement where when the temple was standing, you would have this whole huge ceremony, which we will get into in the next series set of uh, podcasts about the holidays um, and talk about the goats and and the purification of the temple and putting all our sins on a goat and sending it out into the wilderness. Um, so before you, so they, they give you these 10 days, the trumpet, when it blasts, when you hear this, if you were sitting in this, we're recording in this big barn, and when you blow it, it's very loud, and it echoes, and it's like shrill intentionally. It's like to shake you awake. It's like you hear the blast, and it's supposed to wake you up, and it calls us to an awareness that we're about to be put before the judge, the judgment. Yep. who's going to judge us. And so I think one of the things that I love, I, I've had, I've done this talk about some of this stuff and taught classes and church and stuff. And a lot of times as people who've grown up in the church, uh, the way we, 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 we downplay our sin yeah, um, because Jesus died and did away with it. And so I can just continue to have this sin in my life and I can just be like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, stop, say a prayer. I'm sorry, please forgive me and move on. And we don't really ever like stop and just think about like, this is this like a controlling factor in my life? Do we meditate on it? Do we think about like the cost, uh, what it cost for me to continue to have this in my life? Um, because we're so based on, uh, our thoughts are so on grace. So I love the fact that this, the trumpet blasts and it's supposed to wake me up to say, mm. okay, if, if I knew, this is a question I always ask, if you knew in 10 days, Jesus was coming back, yeah. would you change anything in your life? 
would you have to go find somebody and say, hey, I'm sorry? Would you have to like reconcile something with the IRS? Would you have to like fix these things because this is the blessing that you get that God gives us on this side, this cyclical opportunity. Yeah. I love that. It's like, honestly, it's like the same thing with Passover because it's like you remove the leaven, the yeast out of your home. So it's like six months ago, I had to deal with this. Six months from now, I'll have to deal with this. You know, it's like God's continually mm-hmm. calling you into righteousness and forcing us to take a look at like and measure what what has happened, what has changed in the last six months. Mm-hmm. Last year on Yom Kippur, we we all wrote letters to ourselves and I put them and we buried them behind our church. <laughs> and hopefully we can find them again, but we're going to go back and dig them up wow. because it's like... It's a fun idea. Yeah, it gave us all this opportunity to say, hey, these are these are the things that are controlling me and I want these things to be different. And I got, it was a letter to God. And so we're going to kind of like... Go back. It's on like, Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur? No, we did it on oh. we did it on Yom Kippur because we our small group all meets. We like meet at the end of we break our fast together at the church. So at the the hungry part you wrote the of letter. our day, wow. we went together as a family and buried this so that at the hungry part of our day this coming year yeah, we can go. We can go dig it. Yeah. So in modern Christianity, we have an idea of the book of life. What we're not aware of is that it's a, it's a Jewish tradition thing. You know, it's a, a theological statement that comes from our Jewish roots. Um, the first thing I can remember, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is Moses tells God, don't wipe out the yeah. people. Just erase my name from the book. Yeah. It's like the From first, book. Mm-hmm. the first. Me- it's like this messianic picture of what Yeshua does. He's like, I will become the sin. I will become the punishment. Blot my name out, as opposed to the people. Like so, Moses goes and God's like, I'm not gonna do that. You know, each person is accountable to their own thing. So that's where we first see the book. Um, then in Malachi, it says, what, "Did you have one before Malachi?" Uh, it was. I didn't look it up, but it was Micah. So while he's looking that up, so the idea in traditional Judaism is that the books are opened when the trumpet blasts and they're sealed on Yom Kippur. And I've, I've heard some people say that you also have the four days between Yom Kippur and Sukkot to have the final, like final, final seal. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but the but the, the tradition is the idea is that the book is open. Every year the book is open. Yeah. You know. Did you find it? Micah is about the Tashlik, about the casting. Oh. We read that one. Okay. <laughs> because anything that we can do, like these these are not, they don't just the rabbis aren't making stuff up just to make it up. They always have some form of biblical, like they ha- the way they understand scripture, the way they read it, every letter, every even the way the letters are shaped is significant that teaches us more about who God is. And so 
Yes, yeah, so Micah 7, 18 and 19. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. He will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Hmm. So that's the connection to why do we throw it in the, in the water? Yeah, and in, in Malachi, it's like, Malachi, he's like basically getting on to the people. Like, you've come back, you, you are back from the captivity, and God was moving with Nehemiah and Ezra, and yet you're lazy, and you've just, you're bringing bad sacrifices, and it's like, didn't you learn? It's like you're, you know, you're disciplining your kids, and then... They just do the same thing over again, and it's like God's kind of coming at them, and he's talking about that, like just these unrighteous people. Uh, and now do you call the arrogant, arrogant blessed? Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. So he's talking about this bad, bad people and bad theology. This is chapter 3, verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. So those, the remnant that were... Mm -hmm. honestly following after God, spoke together with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. And so he took out, and I like that it calls it a book of remembrance Mm -hmm. because it says, it is a remembrance with the blowing of the shofar. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't say what we're remembering, but it, uh, in Malachi, the remembrance is God remembering his people and writing it down, mm. keeping a record of it. Yeah, well, there's even some conversation too about just like when we blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah or on this remembrance, mm-hmm. like that the remembrance, what you're describing, like we are proclaiming with the shofar that Hashem is the, or God is the king. Mm. Like that's, that's a thing that the shofar's sound means. Like yeah. that it's a, it's a royal proclamation that he's like our king. Right. I remember yeah. um, when, well, I mean, they probably did it just recently. They had the new king in, in England oh, yeah, when he sure. became king or is he king? Is it king? He's king. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sh- I like they blew the, the thing. I think trunk. it was at the wedding of the. I don't. I don't. I don't keep up on the royals. I don't keep up. But the good. Gary and Megan. The, the good the ones. One. The good ones. Yeah. Kate. The one everybody loves. Um, when they got married, like when the queen walked in, everybody stood up, and then they had all these trumpets, and they they blasted right because it's that. They blasted it because it is that proclamation, yeah. you're right? And so it's like, hey, this blast of the shofar is calling to remembrance. One, it's making him aware of us. There's some other passages that we yes, can read about that. He remembers, right. And it's making us, us aware. aware, hey, yeah. the king is coming into your presence. Yeah. And he's going to hang out with you. Like one of the teachings that I heard I really liked is like the king is in the field. So he comes in and he walks among us, which is a very Yeshua-esque picture, which is amazing. He walks among us. And when he's hanging out with us, he's sitting down, he's talking with us. He's 
um, just enjoying the time with us for those 10 days. But at the end of 10 days, he will sit on his judgment, judgment. throne. Mm-hmm. So what a better time to plead your case than when you're hanging out recording a podcast with each other or when the judge is sitting on the throne now. Like yeah. You've lost the time now to like make that connection. Yeah. 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 Now it's like... Yeah. You know, there's another tradition I think is pretty cool, which is um, that when Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac mm-hmm. and he looks and he sees and the ram's caught in the thicket that and then he sacrifices the ram in place of Isaac that God saved the two horns of that ram mm-hmm. and that at Sinai he blew the first horn so the at Sinai when Moses is going up and God is coming to give the commandments and the teaching and the Torah which is the holiday of Shavuot. Shavuot. God blows the shofar and just the sound gets louder and louder and louder and, and the shofar blows. And so it's not biblical, it's just tradition that that was one of the horns from the ram that Abraham sacrificed that God provided for Abraham to sacrifice. And then the second horn he is saving to be blown at the future day when the Messiah returns, which would be theoretically on Rosh Hashanah, on this day of the blowing. So it's a pretty, to me, it's an interesting connection of Abraham offering up the sacrifice in place of the firstborn son, the promise Isaac, and that the two horns, traditionally, one is blown when God gives, now that you are redeemed, here's what it means to live like my people, connected to Isaac is, is the sacrifice that brought um, connection to God. And here's what it means to live like my people. And then the other horn being saved for when Messiah returns. For Ma- this is Matthew 24, 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. And I kind of see that as like the month of Elul is those 30 days of like, you start to prepare because the time is coming. And so mm-hmm. the preparation is going to be made. And it may, it may not be the 30, it may be not 30 days. I'm not an end times guy. <laughs> and so you have this like preparation time where it's, it's, things are happening. Then in heaven, the sign of the Son of Man, remember we talked about like, I put these in the heavens. Mm-hmm. So the sign, which... One interesting thing about the Feast of Trumpets, the holiday, is that mm. it's the only one that begins at the beginning of the month, and it's not like on a calendar that you turn the date over and it becomes the next month. The month is signed by the moon. By the moon. So it goes from a completely dark moon to just a sliver, and that's the new moon. So when you see just the sliver, that's the beginning of the new month. And this holiday is on the first day of the month. So you don't really know, like especially Mm. in the older days, like when this is written especially, you don't know when the new month starts until you see the sign. Right. 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 And so when you see this in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. Mm. 
and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. And so, it's super interesting because I don't know. I don't know if you're going to talk about Rosh Chodesh or not, but the the which is the new moon, which is the new moon, the the head of the month, uh, Rosh being head and Chodesh being the month. Uh, the the connection of the moon for Matthew's lineage of Messiah, 14 generations to this, oh. 14 generations to this, 14 generations to the, the Messiah, is the there's a connection in, in the sages have taught about the connection of that genealogy, the lineage, and the 14 specifically with the moon. Mm-hmm. Because in the in the lunar calendar and the cycle of the moon, roughly 28 something, 28 point whatever days is the lunar calendar. And so as the head of the month, at the start of the month, it's dark because the moon is the new moon and just the sliver shows up. By the middle of the month, at the 14th, at the night of the 14th into the 15th, it's full bright moon. And then it begins to wane and darken until at the end of the month, again, it's back to dark. Uh And they talk about the... I'll just read it. Yeah, please. So we can have it. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Okay, so there it is. So it's at Abraham is the only righteous person on the planet. It's dark. It's darkness. Everybody, idolatry abounds. It's dark. Darkness. Then, by the time you get to David, the, the people are living out God's design, and there's rest from their enemies all the around. And the nations are coming to hear from David, and then his son Solomon, and the righteousness of that that's there, and the keeping of the the Torah, and it's the full brightness. This is God's. This is what it will look like. The kingdom looks like, and then to Babylon, back to darkness. Exile, the temple's destroyed, there is no king on the throne, to next is, is Jesus arrives, Yeshua arrives, and that's the kingdom, and the king is here, so this brightness. So it's interesting, because most of the feasts are when the moon, or moon is bright, Sukkot, yeah. the moon is bright outside, yeah. and it's just like glorious. But it's interesting, I hadn't thought about this one being at the darkness. Hmm. The trumpet is sounding, In the wake up, the king is arriving in the midst of the darkness. That's good. Yeah, it's pretty cool as a shofar, like, signaling the Messiah's return, right? Like, that's something we haven't really, like, considered that if we relate it to Rosh Hashanah and, like, the mm-hmm. call to action, the, like, you know, the shofars that wake-up call, but even just, like, the wake-up call before judgment, we even mm-hmm. have, I mean, when the Messiah returns, he'll judge as well. Right, Like exactly. there's, there's the same, it's a parallel. Like it's happening again with Yeshua's return. Yeah, that's why it's like, these are a shadow of things to come. Yeah, yeah. And the substance is Christ. The substance is Christ. Yeah, and it's so crazy, you know, you talk, we talked before filming this just about how we, we can quickly dive into... The nuances, the nerdy and geek out on things that we would have been like glassy-eyed over, um, you know, before getting on this path. And it's just crazy how I grew up, well, we all did. You just shared your, your background. We all grew up with the Bible in the house. Uh, we went to church three times a week, uh, even more than I am now, three times a week sitting in, in church and hearing messages. I'll, I'll pray for you. You'll pray for me? <laughs> <laughs> Please do. I don't even go to church anymore. Daily. <laughs> uh, but, but like here it is. What's just 
breaks my heart for myself is how so many years were spent in just missing it because somehow it it carried like done, meaningless, legalism, bondage to the extreme of like, that's a sin if you do that, you know? Uh, just, Just so tossed out. And what has been missed is this beauty, this rhythm that comes from observing these things, the physical things that we do, the smells and the touch and the taste that connect to messages preaching stories about faith in God and the Messiah, even in here, when you blew that shofar, just like it, it isn't a pleasant sound. <laughs> it's a fun sound to do, but it's like a baby crying. It does something it inside you. Yeah. yeah, it makes you, if you're not aware, like if, if the, one of the kids has it and I'm not paying attention or I like to do it on the holiday. <laughs> you know what I do? Like I, when I've always like, if I was teaching on Shavuot, so we're like, or even on the story of the when they're all asleep, like the tradition is Israel was asleep at the foot of Mount Sinai. So when God came down on Mount Sinai, he blew the shofar to wake them up. So whenever I teach on Shavuot, I'm always like, and so everybody, like the, they're just sitting there. They put up the fence. They've consecrated themselves and they're waiting. And so let's just, we all close, close our, our eyes. eyes. <laughs> and then I pull it out and nobody knows. And then I blast it. And it's like, <laughs> everybody jumps and shakes. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, because it, it does something physically to our bodies. Yeah. And I think it's designed mm-hmm. that way. The horn of the ram designed to be able to call us to battle, call us to awaken, call us to the king is stepping in, right? So that leads me into just like some of these other like, since we're talking about the shofar and the blast, like um, for me, because what the actual scripture says is it's a remembrance and it's the blow of the trumpet. So what I've always done is like, okay, go look up the word remembrance. Yep. And it leads you to, he writes your name in the book of remembrance. Or, and then you look at like the trumpet and I'm like, what, how, how else, how is that used? Because if it's a remembrance, so what are we remembering by blowing the trumpet? And there's just like the passages that have captured me. Like one of them is in Second Chronicles and it's talking about like, Jeroboam had set an ambush um, around to come up from behind them. So Judah, Judah's righteous at this time, and Jeroboam is not. And so Jeroboam represents Israel, the northern kingdom separated, and they're coming to attack the southern kingdom. And um, they've surrounded them, and they're being ambushed. And so Judah is in a bad place. Thus his troops were in front of Judah, and the ambush was behind them. And when Judah looked, behold, the battle was in front and behind them. And they cried to the Lord, and the priests blew the trumpets. Then the men of Judah raised the battle shout. And when the men of Judah shouted, God defeated Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. So it's like, when I blow it, like I'm getting, I feel it. Because it's like when I get my kids together and we're at, we take the shofar with us when we go do the tashlik and we throw our stuff in the water and then I blast the shofar. And it's like, when we feel, 
I love it. It's like God's <laughs> like, this is like, we blow the shofar and it reminds me like when I feel surrounded, when I feel hemmed in behind and before and there's no way out mm-hmm. and the sin is weighing down on me and I fully am aware that Jesus died on the cross and took my sin and he has dealt with it. But it's it's like, we're still in the midst of the battle over, over that. Like mm-hmm. I can still lose. Mm-hmm. And so I stand there and I blow the shofar and it pierces the soul. And then we shout. I've done it with my kids the last couple of years. As soon as the shofar is over, we just go, ah, (laughs) and you scream out. And you're just like, God, you know, just like, remember me. Mm. Remember me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to throw this in again next year. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be, I don't want to lose this battle. Mm-hmm. And it's just so. Full body. <sighs> yeah. Hmm. Do you guys fast on Yom Kippur? Yeah. You do the, do you do a uh, water 25 hour, like the whole deal? Uh, I do. I do. do? Um, we, I don't know if it's 25 hours. We probably do just the 24 hours, <laughs> but I, give my children the option sure and most I, I just them, don't know like for me it uh it's one of those things like that uh it really just depriving yourself of water just like it's something so hard it's way harder than food way harder not drinking and yeah. just like i feel like one of those like the emotional vulnerability that it leaves you in like you're describing with this shout i'm like oh man it's just giving me like like I think about like the Yom Kippur, like when you get to the end of that fast, um, like I really am not even looking forward to breaking it because I'm just so like raw from not like having anything. Mm-hmm. Like even just like the absence of water for 10 hours is, is just it's brutal. So, yeah. so like doing a full day and then an, an extra hour, um, I just always feel so vulnerable afterwards. Um, and just like that moment of vulnerability is... I mean, like when you combine it with the idea of Yom Kippur, like what it's supposed to be, that holy day, you're like depriving your flesh, you're sitting on the ground. Like we, do, we really do embrace like what Yom Kippur is like, uh, you know, you're, you're, you know, depriving the flesh, mm-hmm. right? And that just, I think like really activates something, something super primal, like that spiritual gets to come out to the forefront, really unlocks it for me. Yeah. Um, and just what you're, I'm looking forward to trying that this year. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to shout. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Sounds fun. Yeah. I, as I was looking up trumpet passages, mm-hmm. so I'm going to go to Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's one that really is hard to, to swallow for me, for, for probably for most people. Um, it's in Ezekiel chapter 33. So I'm just looking up these trumpet passages. And in Ezekiel uh, the 33 says this, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, If I bring the sword upon a land, and the people of the land take a man from among them and make him their watchman, if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people... Then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. 
But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes away any one of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So as we blow the shofar, not only are we required when we hear it, you were telling, tell the story about the year you decided not to. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, so my wife and I, we've probably been practicing um, in like a, a more expanded capacity for just over five years now. This may be like year six, um, which means for us like keeping kosher or kosher and like the festivals, we make a point every year to keep the festivals. And so I think it was two years ago it had been like kind of an intense season, uh, like a lot going on in our personal lives and there's just a lot happening. I think we just had a baby. Uh, Elijah, I think, was just born. So like we were very tired. Oh, I um, and I, as the like, you know, as a husband, I made, this, I made the decision, you know what? We're not going to, like, you know, we have a new baby. It was so easy to just like make that choice for, my, for myself. But I was like, you know what? We're not going to synagogue um, for Rosh Hashanah. And my wife, she really loves Rosh Hashanah and especially the, the shofar. It's really like a meaningful, like it's very meaningful. And she grew up in a community that did it every year. So for her, it like, you know, there's a lot of like emotion and, mm-hmm. and time in that. Um, and so she was, she was not upset, but like I could tell that she was a little off. And I was like, let's go for a walk. Let's just get outside. Um, you know, we'll put the baby in like a little bassinet. We'll, we'll just go for a walk. Um, and where we live... There's like a Chabad rabbi and his family who we hadn't met before this. Uh, we go for a walk and they went for a walk at the same time, apparently. <laughs> it's because we just, we sort of like connected and path. Like it just, there, there's no coincidence here. It just, uh-huh. there's no way. Uh, they don't even live near us. Like they had walked like far enough to be near where we were walking. Um, and we run into them and they, you know, they're Chabad. So they're very like, you know, it's got the hair and the, you know, payas and beard and everything. And, um, so we introduced ourselves and we were just chatting and my wife was like, oh yeah, you know, we just had a baby and we just skipped, skipped this year. <laughs> and, uh, she, she told that to his wife and his wife like ran up and she's like, honey, 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 you gotta get the show far <laughs> out. Cause, cause, uh, blue, you know, we just met blue. She's, uh, she didn't get the blessing this year. She doesn't have the show far. <laughs> and so he just like out of his coat he just like pulls a shofar <laughs> and he's like oh it's perfect it's perfect and so like you know we, he just does the blessing we uh he blows the shofar uh, and it's just like even in the times where like i felt that i maybe had failed my spouse like hashem just like came right in mm-hmm. god provided that uh that moment and like we got to meet their family a beautiful family um connected us with the synagogue in a really beautiful way and uh just like having the opportunity to hear the shofar, like I mean, I wouldn't miss it again. I, I yeah. definitely, it was a it was a moment of awakening. I mean, again, the shofar, uh-huh. yeah, we yeah. you hear it and you're like, oh man, what was I thinking? Yeah, like talk about <laughs> wake up calls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you hear it and then you're called to action. Yeah, you're required because if you don't respond, you know, the blower of the shofar has done his part. Yeah, you did. Yeah, for and sure. now it's it's on you, you know. And then the scary side is the other side is like. Um, if we are like God's people in a broken, dark world, then are we not the watchmen? Are we not the ones mm. required 
Well, that next, where you stopped, the next verse, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. (laughs) (laughs) So hear the word I speak and give the warning from me. Yeah. We are, we are called to sound the alarm. To blow the shofar. And it's a reminder. It's a reminder when I stand on the side of the water and I blow, it's like all these things. It's like, me saying, I'm not going to forget you. Don't you forget me. Help me fight this battle. Help me look at all these lives that are lined up on the shore with me. Like, yeah. Mm. Help us be called to action and then not just leave it here on the shore because now we are watchmen. Yeah. Well, I think too, it's interesting at our community yesterday, I don't know if you heard him talking about the thing in the, this, in the streets. Mm-hmm. The whole town does mm-hmm. this thing and a lot closes down Main Street and they set up a little booth there and they blow the shofar. And he talked about like all the other, we're in a pretty liberal area, so there's lots of different, it's very diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they blow the shofar, it causes tension mm. in the air around yeah. just the sound of the shofar yeah. being blown. It's like, uh, it's like what you said when we were recording with our wives about like, this is the, the, no, the vibrations that come out of that. When I do my lips right and the noise comes out is, is, a, is the heavenly realms yeah. being shook. Yeah. It's so spiritual. It's spiritual. Mm. God designed sound designed pitch in certain ways. Like, we know this from music, right? Certain music gets you amped up, certain music gets you laid down, but, like, all through Scripture, the angels are blowing trumpets. I mean, Revelation is all yeah. the shofar blows. after shofar after shofar that yeah, has... All those trumpets are shofars. Yeah, yeah they're not like Louis Armstrong <laughs> show- trumpets, right? They're shofars, mm-hmm. shofarim, yeah. or shofarot. I don't know, shofarim, there's shofars that are being blown and that's part of God's design. It has something physical that happens at the same time something spiritual that happens when the shofar is blown. And that's why like the number one thing for Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah is to hear. Mm. And that's why it was significant, right? Why the rabbi was like, Pulls yes, it here out. I go, here I go, blowing my shofar. <laughs> and knowing Chabad, he maybe was carrying that around because they're very intent on oh, yeah. everybody here sure. getting Jewish hear. people yeah. to experience and do the the holiday and the yeah. feast. So, yeah, super important. So then, just to kind of wrap this up, hmm. the challenge or the encouragement would be like for me. Um, in one of the previous episodes, we had your son and his wife, his new wife. Well, I guess they're not new, but young, young married. And just the way that she spoke about how the holidays have brought this light, like adding, she was, had the traditions, she put Jesus in it, and it just overwhelmed her. Mm-hmm. It brought this, this light. Um, my feeling is that there's a lot of people that are on the opposite side we have they have the jesus but they don't have those traditions and so my sorrow like the reason why we're doing this podcast is that what i feel when we blow that shofar i want i want you to to feel it like god gave us these things 
because we're, wi- we're wired for it. Yeah. His greatest desire is that we would be with him on his holidays yeah. and celebrate with him and to experience him in ways that we never would have ever dreamed. You know, we've heard trumpets before, but when you hear the shofar in the context yeah. of the day, so I would encourage you, find a, find someone to blow the shofar. Yeah. And so I think if I can tie, come, tie one thing, is like the, we talked about this yesterday or whenever, but the on the fourth day, God creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. Day one, he creates light. There's evening, there's morning, the first day. There's day and night happening without the sun, moon, and stars, right? So we talked a little bit and about, we think of the sun and the moon and all that as like the anchors of what creates the day. When the sun comes up over there, that's the day, it's daytime. Yeah. When it goes down over there, it's nighttime. But no, it says that he created them to mark out his appointed times. Before he created man, he anchored the way the system works. The world, the creation. The way creation works, his design, his plan for all of it, he anchors in that the sun, the moon, and the stars to set and mark these appointed times. And I think for me, it's like one of the things to consider (laughs) is if God built the structure of the universe to mark out this day, this first day of the month when you were to blow the shofar, Um, I don't believe that when Jesus died and rose again, that was put, that was ended. I believe when Jesus died and rose again, it was filled up with meaning. And we were empowered to enter into that period and not just make a noise, right? We were empowered to enter into Yom Kippur and not drinking the water and not just be hungry. We were filled up with what God's design was meant to be. Yeah. And so considering again what he has laid out in his appointed times and defined as on this day, it's not any day either. That's the thing for me. It's not any day. It's none of this is any. None of this is accidental. It's intentionally planned. When the moon slices a sliver in the seventh month, Yeah. this is what you do. Yeah. Not tomorrow, not the day before. It's this time. This is my appointed time. And if you have the Messiah, (laughs) the understanding of Messiah, it's full. So full. It's beautiful. All right, would anybody like to, Elias, why don't you pray us out? Oh, man. I always like to throw that on people. Oh, what an honor. What a joy. (laughs) God is good. Yeah, God is good. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time. Uh, this opportunity to discuss your word. It's such a joy um, and a pleasure to know people who, you know, you never leave the company without talking about the Torah and talking about uh, your will in our lives. Um, And I just pray that you would bless everyone here and their families, uh, that you would bless those listening, uh, that really that they would come to an understanding that the festivals are a beautiful thing that you've given us, uh, that they would really cherish that time that you've given us. Um, that they would discover the Messiah in those festivals and that they would see how beautiful that really is. Um, And I pray that you would just be in our lives, that you would lead us, that you would show us the way, the truth, and the life. Um, And in your name we pray, amen. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Thank you. It's good. So good. for listening to the whole testament we're on apple podcasts spotify and youtube so share the show with your friends and family and be sure to leave a rating and review you can also find us on all the socials by searching at the whole testament in our next episode we're beginning our feast series and you can hear from all the campbell kids on their takes on the holidays all of our episodes are available at our website and you can listen to them by heading over to thewholetestament.com I guess, like, uh, you want me to talk about just the time between Rosh Hashanah and... Well, even just, like, coming into it with the month of Elul. Oh, okay. Um, I guess, I don't know, if you're thinking of something specific, you should probably... Well, just, uh, so... uh, (laughs) Here. No, 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 no. I have this time. Just just put it in my brain for (laughs) you. Why don't you speak to this? No, no, no. Here, let me give you my notes. (laughs)